Welcome to the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by embroiderer Jenny King. Jenny has a studio in Brighton in the south of England, which she has run for over 20 years. She specializes in freehand satin stitch embroidery created on Irish machines. The studio offers all aspects of design and development, production, and of course, bespoke. Jenny King Embroidery now counts amongst its clients an ever-growing list of high-profile designers who include Erdem, Vivian Westwood, J.W. Anderson, and Tom Ford. As well as developing embroidery for clients in the fashion industry, Jenny also works with interior designers, artists, and of course, within theater and film. Join us for a great chat about all things embroidery and some beading. Welcome to the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking with embroiderer and beader extraordinaire, Jenny King. Jenny, welcome to the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. Hi. So I wanted to start by asking you to tell us a little bit about what it is that you do um, for work. Okay, well, um, I have an embroidery studio in Brighton. Um, and we specialize in freehand machine embroidery, which we do on um, these very old Singer mach- sewing machines um, that are completely uh, sort of manual. So we, we don't do, we do a little bit of digital embroidery, but our main thing is um, the on the Irish machine. Um, and it's like a freehand satin stitch where you kind of like paint with the threads um, and, we have like a fleet of machines and machinists, and I believe we're the only studio in um, the UK that offers production in the UK. To um, we we do work with fashion designers, we work with theatre, TV, music people, um, loads loads of different things, and um, yeah, that's our kind of specialism. We do a bit of beading as well and a bit of multi- mixed media stuff, but our real kind of specialism is the is the Irish machine, which is like a real dying art. How did you get started? I mean, where's where's the interest in embroidery come from? Well, I was lucky enough to get into the Royal College of Art in um, 2000. I'd, I'd done a degree in print and um, I applied for the mixed media um, MA and Karen Nickel was the tutor there at the time, which was just incredible because she is like the queen of, of the Irish. And um, even though I, I kind of was coming from a print point of view, once I got into Royal College of Art, that's when I got introduced to the Irish machine and the other uh, the other machines in the embroidery room. And that's kind of when I really fell in love with with the medium and kind of really focused on, on it from there. And Karen Nickel was a really big influence for me. Do you do both hand embroidery as well as the machine embroidery yourself? We we do a little bit of hand, but it's really really mainly the the freehand machine work that we do. Um, like hand embroidery and beading is very very difficult to do in the UK, um, at, like cost effectively. Everything we produce is high end and it sells for a lot of money, but there's only a certain amount that you can charge for it. Even if the dress is going to sell for like five thousand pounds, there's a limit on how much you know they they can actually pay for the embroidery. So it's really kind of quite a battle between getting the product really, really beautiful but produced um, cost effectively. Okay, I'm going to dive right in there. Then you said two things there that I found quite interesting. One is that you um, you know doing things by hand takes a long time and it's difficult to charge 
you know, the, the, you know, to charge for that handwork, um, and that doing things by a machine is is quicker, but you still can't charge as much as you might want to. And typically, that would be because of the markup. The point where we are is. Um you know, the customer pays so much more for the embroidery that we do, um, you know, by the time it gets into the shop. So it's like, yeah, it's the 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 price price point is always always the battle. But the battle is is to um to get it for the for the right price. It goes through goes through so many processes and we're kind of right at the beginning of the of 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 the process, you know, we're right um right at the start so like our whatever we charge keeps on getting multiplied as it goes along until it gets to the final the final point and and it is kind of sad sometimes we're because we have to to um you know w- working with some clients we'll make, we might do an amazing piece for the show but then it's like well really we need to get the embroidery down to like 200 pounds for production so we're gonna have to take a little bit off the arm a bit off <laughs> you know and we always get really kind of squeezed um but you know that's just how it is you know it's- i think that's interesting because i suppose often my you know i say this i think every time you know my mission in life is this preservation of craftsmanship and I often wonder whether or not we are undervaluing you know the 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 types of work that you and you know other craftspeople you know do because the markup of the of the product you know wherever it might be is so high um, because the companies themselves want to make that much more money yeah yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, it's diff- it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you think about, you know, many of these big brands, you know, their markup, you know, could be eight, ten, twenty times. Yeah. But then the people who are producing the, you know, who are intrinsic to the production process, aren't the ones who are coming out uh, with what you know they deserve for the quality of the work that they're producing. Yeah, yeah, and I think the the bigger the the bigger the brand gets, the more that happens as well. Like I find with more of the emer- you know emerging um, uh, clients, it's kind of a bit more like yeah, you just go for gold kind of thing. And but it's when once the um, once the clients get more established and kind of their teams get bigger and more people are involved, it's it does seem like. Um, budgets for things like embroidery do seem to get squeezed and sometimes it sort of like makes me feel sad when they're like kind of like have a tight budget for embroidery and then I've gone to a meeting and there's this like big reception with like lots of flowers and everything and I'm like wow you're spending more money on your flowers and reception than you are on your embroidery (laughs) yeah you know it's kind of like yeah it's strange but I guess it's just you know, um, just how the way of the world, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And it is hard to, you know, to make a living from from fashion and craft and embroidery. So you just kind of have to go, just work with what you've got and go with it. <laughs> it still pisses me off um, that, yeah. you know, the, and I'm not making the things. Uh, yeah, that you know, people who are really slogging to preserve 
you know, these skills、mm-hmm. and these crafts are the ones who are making the least money from the. Th- the- yeah, that, exactly. And it, like you know, we can't afford to go and buy the dresses that we produce. <laughs> you know, we can't go to Selfridges and like、uh, afford to spend that amount of money on a dress. But we, you know, we'll spend all this time kind of you know em- embroidering and you know making it. And sometimes I, I go, you know, I go and I have a look at、um, some of the dresses from like different brands just to see what other embroidery is out there and what you know what's、um, what people are using and stuff. And then and sometimes I look at a dress and I'm like, wow, that's been like that embroidery has been mass produced. The embroidery is not even engineered to the dress, and it's got like you know, it it's still. Being sold for such a lot of money, and it's like kind of like wow, it's it's yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Just explain to us what you mean by when something's engineered. So the majority of the embroidery that we do in the studio is,、um, so it's all like kind of like artwork to the pattern piece. So if it's engineered around the neck, the embroidery would be like. Sat around the neck, like, and and what we do in the studio is we 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 draw everything out and um you know we'll fit it to the pattern and then the the fabric comes to us thread marked um with the pattern piece so before the fabric is cut, so then the embroidery is like placed in the correct area of the fabric and then once it goes over to the seamstresses they then sort of like recut the pattern pieces and sew the garments together, so the embroidery is placed exactly where it. Needs to be, rather than like when it's something's、uh, mass produced or you, like you get、um, embroidery on a roll, it'll be like a repeated pattern, like a print sort of thing. So、um, we ours is very much, ev- pretty much everything is engineered. Yeah, here,、um, and then some. You know, if it's if you do different sizes, we will do adjustments for that.、Um, so it's very much like each garment is. Considered, you know, it's in effect a customized,、um, uh, customized production process. Just tell us a little bit about the Irish embroidery that you touched upon earlier, because that's your, that's the area of specialism and expertise, isn't it? Yes, I think they stopped making them in the nineteen sixties, so they look like the classic old black singers with the kind of gold singer writing.、Um, what's Different about these machines to most other machines is,、um, for starters, it doesn't have a like a feed under the, or it doesn't have a foot either. So the the top of the table is completely flat. So it's completely freehand in direction wise, and then under the、uh, table you have a knee bar,、um, and that dictates the width of the stitch. So a little bit like a zigzag, like on a domestic machine, but much wider and much much more fluid. And so what you do, so you use your left foot for the kind of accelerator, and you use your right knee、um, on the knee bar to dictate the width of the stitch, and then you use your hands to like direct the hoop. So it's a real combination of the three things. To it's kind of、uh, it takes quite a long time to learn, probably like. Um, I mean, you probably pra- need to practice about a year before you can kind of really start getting somewhere. It's a bit like you know, kind of musical instrument sort of thing, where once you, when you see someone Irishing, they just make it look so easy. But <laughs> so when you try it, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> this is impossible. How many embroiderers do you have working with you? 
We are we're a really small team. Um, there's like only like six of us all together. They're they're so good at what they do. They will all be ex- perfectly the same. Um, yeah, because they they're just very 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 good at what they do, <laughs> and I'm very lucky to have them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and do you find it difficult to recruit? Embroidery is so specialized and, you know, constantly we, we're constantly hearing about, you know, the demise of, of younger people um, who are interested in these traditional crafts. Mm, yeah, it's absolutely impossible to find anyone. Like I used to go to new designers thinking, oh, I'll just go and find a new Irish shirt. And it's n- never found anyone like that at all. Everybody that... Um, that works for me has been trained in the studio there's just so few people that are irish anymore um and that's what's kind of made me survive in the industry is, is being really 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 specialized at something um so yeah it's 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 really it's really hard and i think also when if someone wants to learn to irish it's very difficult for them to make money out of it to start with so you have to be really really dedicated um and like when you first start to learn you're so slow it's and like you like you see something you can show someone a piece and go this needs to be done in like two hours and they would be like that's absolutely impossible but (laughs) but isn't we know it's not it is possible because we're doing it but it's such a it takes such a lot of dedication to get to the point when you are where you are really really good um and then also because you've got like digital embroidery machines and stuff like that i think maybe a lot of students don't want to invest the time into learning something like the irish because because they think they can get the same effect from the digital embroidery machine where you could spend a day digitizing something and then stitch it out which I mean, I'm not against digital embroidery at all. Digital embroidery is amazing, um, but it's different. It's very different. And I think people that have an understanding of the Irish or, or a stitch in that manner actually are much, much better at digitizing on a um, stitches on a computer and can produce better embroidery because it's all just about understanding the stitch and how the stitches are going to sit and it's a bit like sometimes we get a graphic designer will give us an artwork for an embroidery and it's just like, oh no, this is a nightmare because you have no idea about how that, like, how, how that's going to be translated. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of a bit like you've not, of course they haven't thought about the stitch because that's not, you know, where they're um, sort of coming from. But yeah, going back to the Irish, it's, I just feel like people are, yeah, it's, it's very, very, very hard to find people loads of people want to do it but they you know it's a big it's a big um commitment i know you work with lots of you know you work with lots of designers um what inspires you well i just i I mean i love the fact that um we have no idea what's coming next in the studio like and from one project to the next there can be so different and I just find that um I I find that a really really nice way to work where um because all the client the clients are so are so kind of coming from such different places like we'll have one client that will 
you know, have a piece of um, antique embroidery that they need recreating, and and there'll be someone else who's kind of seen a leather jacket, like a who's, who just sends us a little like few clippings of, uh, you know, um, some sort of seventies like leather jacket that they want something similar to that, or you know. You just yeah I find I just I find it really inspiring just have being being doing diff, really different and diverse jobs all the time and um yeah that <laughs> I mean I love vintage stuff as well I am I very you know I'm, I'm I love looking at, at, at um, historical things um that's yeah really inspiring but I yeah I I like working with different um different personalities and pe people's different projects. Um, yeah, it's good. And tell us a bit about your um, design process. I do a lot of the artworking myself. Um, I'm really, really, really hands-on on the studio. I I do majority of the design um, on the Irish. I, I do as much artworking as I, as I can, but ed everyone that does do artworking has a understanding about embroidery. So, you just naturally interpret things in a way that you know is doable on the machine. That's like, um, it's kind of hard to explain, but you, you kind of like, um, I, a lot of the, a lot of the artwork is just done freehand, freehand drawing. So it's, uh, I like working lots of times with photocopings and stuff like that. I mean, we can, we art, we can artwork from pretty much anything um and it's kind of it's much it's really quite quite simple and quite straightforward it's just like line drawings we don't do anything like um don't do directions of stitches or anything like that 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 goes in the next stage when the the, the drawings um so we have like sort of pencil drawings on tracing paper normally then that gets transformed on to um, this film that's called aquafilm and we do that with like white gel pens so we we draw out all the artwork to that which is very very good for production as well because that means everyone's following it from the same pattern um, and then the aquafilm goes onto the fabric it gets hooped up and then you use that as a guide and then you embroider and then the first embroidery which is normally done by myself then becomes the kind of the, the what everyone is following so that's when the stitch direction and blending and you know things like that that's and like sometimes i'll add bits of detail as i go so it's all very very organic um at that stage and then when it gets to the production it's like it, then it's copied exactly uh Right. Um, what is um, hooping? Is that where you've got a like an embroidery hoop and you put the fabric between the hoops to give it some tension? Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. So it's, you can embroider without hooping things up. But um, yeah, generally you need to have the fabric nice and tight in a hoop um, when you're working on the Irish because there's no foot to, because you know, it's just a needle. So um, the, if you were embroidering on a domestic machine, you'd have a foot that would sort of hold the fabric down. So you kind of have to have the fabric nice and tight in a hoop because there's, there's no foot or anything to like to hold the hold the fabric kind of tight. And 
quite often you have to use your hands as well to kind of like hold it down so your fingers go very close to the needle <laughs> right right okay so then you have to this is another um, health and safety yeah. thing why they're probably getting rid of them at universities <laughs> yeah exactly steer clear of the needle um yeah. and what's the most complex um, piece of uh embroidery you've done i mean it's always tricky working on like part part made garments um like we did a load of stuff for tom ford which was all over like suits and denim like denim jackets and stuff that was they'd already made them up so we got opening up seams and stuff to kind of try and get the fabric flat but uh, when people want embroideries to go over seams and um that's that can be tricky um but complex yeah i don't know so there's so many things that we've done that are pretty much completely completely covered in embroidery um i mean a lot of the the big ball gowns we did for erdem were just completely covered we did um america transu as well she, she we did a dress for her that was um layers and layers and layers of tulle with loads of like um flowers embroidered on it, it was like yeah mass massive massive amount of embroidery uh, the tom ford things were completely covered thinking about time um and the complex kind of uh navigating quite a complex field where you've got um you know the piece of cloth that needs to be embroidered you've got the demand of the customer saying to you oh okay this is what i want um and then if they're sending you a you know, like you were talking about sending you ready-made garments and you're having to unpick them. I mean, you know, it's quite interesting in terms of uh, craftsmanship and adapting the way you work to ensure that mm. the product you're producing comes out at the other end being amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, the working on an Irish as well and compared to a, like a digital um, embroidery is does give you much more freedom to do that and to adapt and to like go get in places that you wouldn't normally be able to and stuff our hoops like we normally use a big hoop like um i know at 30 centimeters wide but we we have a hoop that's like about three centimeters wide as well so wow. like you know it can kind of like yeah maybe, maybe a little bit bigger that maybe four but um yeah it's it is about it's always about yeah adapting um and doing what's needed for that particular particular yeah particular project and everyone works differently everyone you know everybody works in a different way so when you just move from one project to the next you kind of just have to adapt like um you know for your client each time yeah but do you think the customer appreciates the amount of time that goes into embroidering or beading um a garment no i hope so <laughs> i hope yeah. they do <laughs> i think probably some do and probably some don't think twice i mean a lot of people are, uh, you know over the years it's does um seem like you know obviously people are much more interested to find out where something has been produced now and we have some clients who are so proud to tell their customers that we've done it you know um like aspinall of london for instance uh, they're very very proud to say their the embroideries are done in england and you know they're by hand and um and that's and that's really nice and i think when 
when our clients tell a story about you know about how things are done I I think that gives more value to the pieces because then the customer has a chance to understand because you know how how is a customer to know that something has been done digitally or freehand if they have no knowledge do you know what I mean so um I think it's it's really good that these conversations are happening with um with some of our clients where they're like yes let's let's tell our customer because this this gives it more value um and that's really nice I mean I still have I still have some clients that don't even that don't understand that their embroideries are done freehand because every now and again someone will say oh can you just give us the digital file of that and we're like there's no digital file how do you not know that we've been working with you for ages and so you know if people in the industry struggle to understand then the customer um is easily gonna not understand so just talking about an expanse of time and how things have changed you know when these machines that you're using you know, stop being produced, what you were saying in the 60s. Um, there's, there was no digitization in the mm. 60s for this kind of work. No. And I think, from what I understand, that um, these machines used to be taught uh, more like in London College of Fashion and places like that, in a kind of like a classroom setting. And every kind of like every machinist had to like practice certain shapes and like uh, letters and stuff like that and they had to like you know like like handwriting practice or something and I'm a bit like bring it back that's what that's how it needs to be taught like that not like kind of just a random mark making it's sort of like I think um it was a bit more rigidly sort of set because that when I teach people here we that's how we teach them. We're like, you have to do, there'll someone will spend like a whole day just doing circles until they've got the circle right. And then they'll do a square and then they'll do a dash. And they'll do a heart. <laughs> so, and then they produce these like big bits of cloth that are just covered in these like really crazy, like repeated little tiny symbols. But then you can see the progression over time where there's, skill is slowly kind of coming in and it gets more and more refined talking about speed you know everything is and access everything is so quick and so easily accessible that when people go into shop i you know i often wonder do they look at what they're buying um or you know does the brand kind of surpass the actual, the item that they're buying. I just wonder if people are really paying attention. I suppose that's the thing I'm interested in. How do you, how would you define craftsmanship? It's sort of just this combination of skill and creativity and kind of patience. Do you consider the product you make as being a luxury product? Yeah, I yes, I do. Um, yeah, it, it totally surpasses... Um, anything that's been like kind of mass produced, even though like I understand what you're saying that there's a lot of mass produced stuff that is being sold as luxury. But um, I think the craftsmanship um, elements when, you know, you, you it just things feel different and they have soul when there's been craftsman, proper craftsmanship that's gone into it. But it also has to be, it's not just craftsmanship, it's craftsmanship and also like good taste and good colour choices and good, you know, do you know what I mean? It's sort of, it has, to, it has to have 
everything come together. Um, but yeah, I do see what we produce, the embroideries that we produce as luxury embroideries, I would say, yeah, because they are really special. Yeah, and, I, and I'm guessing, even though you're using the Irish machine, each one of them is going to be different because if you're navigating the pattern or the design by hand, mm -hmm. you know. It yeah, because it's been done by a human being. Yeah, yeah. So there is, uh, yeah, I mean, mo I would say most people wouldn't be able to spot the difference, but like me and my stitches, if we were really, really like looking, we could probably, probably go, yeah, it's Anna, Sarah. <laughs> yeah and that's i mean that's quite, you know that's uh, uh, amazing because the handwriting of the maker is intrinsic in the in the product that they produce there's a handwriting for each of the individual stitches and then there's also like a, a handwriting of the studio as well so it's kind of like a double layered thing do you do hand embroidered and beaded work for you know bespoke commissions as well so we do, we work with an amazing um, Indian company and um, Leslie, um, who works with the studio, she designs the beading in the studio and we have like a massive selection of um, loads of different beads that are used um, in the, the Indian studio and, and also they can source, they can source anything as well and she'll like, choose the beads and kind of like um, do the artwork everything and put it all together here but the uh, but the majority of the beading is produced in with our partners in India we just can't um, can't get the price point in England for it plus they're so good in India like they're so skilled they're absolutely incredible at beading <laughs> like uh like the beading that we do in the studio is normally more like emergency projects for london fashion week or something like um that has to be done very very quickly and because and there's just literally no time for it to go to india and we will do like big chunky beads and stuff like that in the studio as well but like for proper proper beading um that's generally done uh yeah with uh partners in, in india yeah that's interesting so last year i interviewed um rafaela grasso and she runs an embroidery and beading oh, did you? Yeah, in milan mm. your approaches are not dissimilar and you're facing very similar issues you know around cost and you know speed and efficiencies and all of those things and the demands of clients to you know for you guys to be quicker cheaper you know around the world people who are doing these very specialized things are all dealing with the same sort of thing so you go to india because you can find the labor um and you can find the expertise because you know um like you were saying they've got the expertise to do that and also i suppose now i don't know what your thoughts are you know there's not that um, stigma attached um as much as it used to be to having things made um, in India or or in you know elsewhere, beading is very very different to like the freehand um, Irishing that that we do as well. So it's kind of like it's always kind of like put together um, as almost seen as the same thing, but um, there's they're actually look really different. <laughs> so yeah, for for us, it's 
yeah, that's the only way that we can really, really do it. I mean, I think there are there, there are some people in England that are still doing the beading, but I think it's just really, and, and the hand embroidery, it's very, very, very expensive. I think mm. Royal School of Needlework, um, you can, you know, they still offer service of you know, doing pieces as well. But I mean, they must be charging a, a lot of money. Sure. <laughs> what about the environmental issues that, you know, everybody's um, dealing with at the moment, you know, in terms of materials and carbon footprint? That is definitely a plus side for a lot of our clients that they're not having to ship things overseas. Um, we've had quite a lot of clients that researched our threads <laughs> right <laughs> wanting to know like what yeah yeah and actually the viscous ones uh, they come out quite well um they they're, they're pretty good um um but there's some clients that will only want to use um cottons and silks and um things like that but yeah we're we we, we have very little wastage um yeah that's amazing the yeah yeah and like i was saying before we the because the embroidery is engineered it's you know you're just embroidering the what needs to be done yeah um fabric fabric wise and stuff our client always pro provides that for us it's always their fabric so we're you know <laughs> it's just really the thread that we're that we are using um yeah and it's yeah yeah, thread we, and we don't do too badly in Brighton. We all work. We like walk to studio. <laughs> it's definitely a conversation. That, um, yeah, it's a conversation that we're having more and more as, you know, about the sustainability. It's something that which is great. You know, um, yeah. So it's it's good. It's, it's more, like over the years, I've seen you know people weren't so bothered like you know 10 years ago and now it's really important to people so that's really good and that all ties in with people wanting to know where where things have been produced um and it kind of comes back to it being a really nice story of it being done here in brighton you know when everyone yeah you know, nobody's no one's suffering for it it's all good you know what yeah I mean? sure <laughs> um what's the most exciting project you've done well, we have like, I don't know, we get so many exciting projects. But I mean, um, it was really fun to do the Eurovision Song Contest. Oh, yes, you did. Yes, Sam of Ryan. course. That was really fun because um, it was a really quick turnaround. And obviously, like, you know, um, and it, it just, it, it kind of opened the studio up to like kind of a different audience, which was really nice. And Sam was very good at like um, thanking us on social media and stuff. And um, uh, we got a bit of a shout out on the day as well. <laughs> so that was, that was really good. And that was working with um, Luke Day is the stylist. Yes. And I mean, most of the, like all the projects that come via Luke are always brilliant. Um, we did self as a, a um, a cape for self-esteem just recent for Glastonbury just gone um which was that was a great project because it was um we embroidered Sheffield shopping center oh, wow. on the back of the uh -huh. cape <laughs> so that was really good and then I mean um we did a really last minute dress for a 
Sophie Wessex for the um, the Queen's funeral. That was lovely because it was a real honour to do that. Yeah. And um, we did the artwork. All, all the artwork was inspired by the flowers in the Queen's um, wedding bouquet. Wow. So doing things like like things like that, I I love I love projects like that. It's just um, yeah, it's lovely. Um, and we've been doing like loads of um, theatre and film and stuff like that as well, and that's that's always like good fun. It's literally like what I love about um, my job is like you just think like, oh yeah, this is this is we've just got this and this going, and then the phone rings, and then like then twenty like the next like three days or something crazy just lands, and we have to do it really quickly. <laughs> it's just like. This is like really bonkers, <laughs> uh, but I I really enjoy that that side of things where you just don't know what's coming next. So what's coming next is my final question, um, the question I ask everybody, um, and is what is what is your luxury? <laughs> oh, I think mine is the same as quite a lot of people have said. I think uh, time. I mean, I just think time is the luxury, and I I just we we're so busy all the time and I I would just love to get to a position where I can just take a bit more time off and go on holiday um you know I've got two kids that like I just want to like I love hanging out with them and like I feel like oh my god in a few years they're not going to want to hang out with me anymore and you like we need to get some more holidays in and stuff um so yeah time definitely I mean also it is like doing something you love is a bit of a luxury as well like even though that's the thing that's taking away my time <laughs> which I'm saying is a luxury like having a job that you know you really enjoy is also I think um it's luxury it's like a real really really lucky but really lucky to be doing something that I'm really passionate about um uh, yeah, it would be nice to have a bit more time off. Brilliant. <laughs> Jenny King, thank you so much for joining us on the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jenny, for joining us. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can catch up with all previous episodes of the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast on your favourite listening platform. And join us on the next episode of the In Pursuit of Luxury podcast.